Dr. Dwindle DS here. Tourist, sleazy car salesman extraordinaire, you look new, or did you just get a facelift? Either way, you look magnanimous today. You know who else is magnanimous? Starlight. That's right, this podcast. I mean, an adventure with me. In it, what's not to like? Welcome to my show. Let me show you around at the fair price of a listen, review, or subscribe. All these things go a long way to help other spacers find the show. And if you're feeling extra special, then consider checking out the Patreon. Do what makes you most comfortable. Just help a dwindle stay in business. You ever get tired of drawing maps and having your players ruin your hard work? by teleporting away, or using Charm Creature to avoid that glorious boss battle set in that laboriously crayon-drawn map. Yeah, (laughs) me too. Well, that's my problem, no more. Starlight Maps and Battle Mats are now sponsored by the beautiful artwork of Loki Battle Mats, from lavish palaces to cold alien caverns. They have a solution for everything. The maps come in big books that are easily transported, can be drawn on with erase markers, and immerse the players with a stunning reality. They'll forget they aren't actually standing by that pool of lava. And battle mats are only the beginning of what Loki has to offer. Want to know more? Go check them out. Or stop by our YouTube to see what they have to offer. Now, let's roll. In the past episodes of Starlight, the spacers following a four-way into the Temple of the Way finally have a drawn-out showdown with the tiefling, Gorn, guardian of the temple as well as humble servant to the Sunmaker. Separated by a wall of rubble, Atlas finds himself taking on Gorn and his goons until McKenna Ali is able to conjure enough technomancy to blast her way through the rubble and provide her tenuous ally with backup. Unified, they are able to run Gorn off, but not stop him from sabotaging the speeders stolen by the spacer's guide, Sisa. Forced to fix the speeders or walk many miles back to the city of Nanoi, the spacers decide to allow Clive Jensen, ex-pilot in the Federation Armada, to fix what he can. Of the three speeders, he's able to get two working once more, but his is utterly trashed. Clive, however, is okay with that outcome, as he realized the Sunmaker might just be tangled up with the Shrine Cross a rogue group of scientists who he believes created him. Telling the others to go ahead, he stays behind to see if he can find anything more in the Sunmaker's lair that might give him more clues on where to find the Shrine Cross next. Hours of searching, however, and he finds nothing, except for a strange series of coding painted on the ceiling of Gorn's bedroom. Decoding the script, he recognizes it as a hard reboot for a synthetic being But short of that, he finds little else. With the other two long gone, Clive at last leaves the temple and using his laser rifle, destroys the mouth of the cavernous entrance so that no other may enter the desecrated place again. From there, Clive begins the long march back to Nanoi, where he can find his fellow spacers. Meanwhile, as McKenna and Atlas take the speeders back into Nanoi with plans to share their findings with Thyra, the halfling proprietor who put them up to checking out the temple and trying to find out what Speaker Holst, a gray and influential political leader in the city, was up to, 
they are waylaid by the protectorates, police force of the city. Not only are the spacers using speeders that were reported as stolen, but it would seem they are now being framed for the explosion at the House of Roses, capital of the city. Although they try to haggle their way free, first exhausting McKenna's attempt at claiming themselves as lost lovebirds, things begin to take a serious turn. In an effort to scare them away, Atlas hoists a retractable javelin into the hood of the Protectorate's vehicle, only to have it explode from a perfect hit in the engine. Knocked unconscious by a wayward rearview mirror, Atlas is easily taken into custody, while McKenna, ever the negotiator, is willing to go freely. Confined separately in a detention center, things are looking bad for the spacers, until a surprise hero helps provide them an escape from the facility. A man by the name of Thurstein, who McKenna believes to have hacked her Neuralink and placed the virus of Aphid within her mind. Thurstein and McKenna escape through a trash chute and use a garbage truck as the getaway, while Atlas is left to fend for himself. Atlas, fighting off hordes of protectorates, learns from the control room that Gorn is the one who most likely framed them and sent the police after him as he can be seen from the monitors in the very building. Gorn, as it turns out, is a lieutenant in the Protectorates. In a surprise moment, Atlas has the chance to kill Gorn, but realizes that he could be more useful alive. Playing to Gorn's cult following of the Sunmaker, Atlas convinces Gorn he was in the temple to find the Sunmaker, because he has a lead that the Loxodon cult leader is in grave danger. Although Gorn agrees to cease and desist, he asks for further proof with which Atlas offers his superior in the Acers can provide at their base in the neighboring city of Sanctuary. Now, the spacers are split three ways, McKenna with her surprising rescuer, Clive leaving the temple, and Atlas taking Gorn to his boss. We begin with McKenna's story first. She is taken by Thurstein to his employer's cover shop, known as Bomb Boy's Robo Repair, where she meets a dwarf she recognizes from the visions trapped in the Christosis Shard. The same dwarf who helped Speaker Holst cut off the Sunmaker's trunk to access the temple whenever they wanted. Although McKenna wants to pummel the dwarf for defiling her old friend's body, she holds it back to hear what information and deals the dwarf known as Grimble has to offer. As it turns out, he confirms Holst is behind the attacks and the creation of the Aphid, the latter of which they don't know how she did yet. But most important, as her assistant and second in their political wing, Grimble has a lot to gain by her complete disappearance. And with how erratic and strange she has become lately, Holst is someone he wants to disappear. He offers to tell McKenna where her safe house is, if she can recover Klazezel, Holst's lover, a vat of brain-like material that was kidnapped by none other than the friendly Thyra and her Lilypress gang. McKenna learns that Thyra is more than just a petty criminal, but also a trafficker of people. Certain that Klazezel is being held beneath the orphanage, McKenna cooks up a harebrained scheme in which she will go with Thirstine to adopt a kid and whilst doing so, practice reconnaissance. Going along with the plan, they head to the orphanage under holographic disguise and learn something is amiss here as it is guarded by a paramilitary grade set of bots. 
they learn that Sisa, the 16-year-old guide who had helped the Spacers previously, is also an orphan here. That is, until McKenna adopts him, as Thurstein sneaks away to hack into the building's mainframe, where he discovers an entire bunker built beneath the complex. Certain Klazezel is there. They take their new charge to the train station for sanctuary, as he believes the pair to live in the big city. But of course, the trip there is no ordinary train ride. On the way, one of the passengers gets on her hands and knees to pray, the third sign of the Sunmaker's return, known as the Sun Origin. And then, she shoots herself with a concealed firearm. That is when the virus known as Aphid appears once more in McKenna's mind's eye. Aphid, the old woman, forces McKenna to give the Sun Origin herself, but thankfully McKenna's willpower is strong enough that she is able to stop herself from killing herself before everything goes dark. When McKenna awakes, she finds herself in a high-rise safe house in Sanctuary. Thurstein managed to transport her there along with Seesaw, who he now has sedated. Thurstein encourages McKenna to go charm Seesaw with her technomancy and get him to share what he knows about Thyra's dealings and Klazezel. Otherwise, he won't hesitate to torture the boy, as Sisa is nothing more than an asset to him. Begrudgingly, McKenna agrees. Charming Sisa, she's able to extract shocking truth from the boy. The first being that Thyra indeed kidnapped Klazesel, and how to get to the base beneath the orphanage. And then, that Thyra is a member of the SFF, Synth Freedom Fighters, and she smuggles synths hunted by the law to safety. And that lastly, Sisa himself is a synth and has a sister he is waiting to find when his name finally disappears from the Federation's list of most dangerous synthetics. Brokenhearted for the boy, McKenna promises to unite him once more with his sister. Meanwhile, Atlas and Gorn, with the Tiefling's two guards, discreetly head by night to the sanctuary on a smaller starship. Calling in a favor, Atlas hails a small arm of the Tetsip Acer family, predominantly known for its influence in the gambling and hospitality sector. Agreeing to help, Atlas completes his ruse and they tell him where to go, land, and then to ask for Smiley upon doing so. Landing on a pad attached to the largest tower and sanctuary, Atlas finds himself and Gorn just outside of the Dukar Gold Casino. Following the instructions given, he is welcomed by a stunning tiefling woman named Astrid who shows the gentlemen to their rooms and provides them with everything they could desire until their meeting with the arms boss the following day. After cleaning up, eating, working out, Atlas finally calls back someone he has been avoiding the past few days. A half-elf by the name of Guinevere Watson. We learn that Guinevere might be the only person Atlas is close with. She's the engineer who upgrades him when he returns from duty, and more importantly, is a dear friend. Guinevere tells him that she has been calling again, and implores Atlas to call the mysterious woman back, that he cannot go on with life ignoring his past. And lastly, tells him that there was an attack on the Kashin family's home, and that Atlas's CEO is dead. Learning of this, Atlas is certainly bothered, but also understands that if he has not been contacted yet, the mission is still needs to be completed. Hanging up for the night, Atlas prepared himself for what the next day may bring.
The next morning, he is awakened by Astridge and a red-skinned hobgoblin named Smiley, and is taken to meet the Tetsup boss, Boris Dukar. Boris quickly agrees to help Atlas, but only once he sees how Atlas handles himself in a favored gambling game known as Ante. Even though Atlas narrowly loses a thrilling game of chance, luck, and daring, Boris is so impressed by Atlas, he is more than happy to help. And since Atlas lost the game of dice and they had agreed to put antes on the line, Atlas ends up owing Boris for the favor in two ways. One, he must ferry some smuggled goods of Boris's to the core worlds when Atlas's business on Thela is concluded. And two, he is to check in on a relay station that Boris is building and find out why all the communication there has halted. Accepting, the two in tandem convince Gorn that Atlas and the Spacers are on his side, and it is in the snake-eyed tiefling's interest to help them save the Sunmaker. Business concluded, Atlas makes his way to leave with Gorn back to Ninoy and rejoin the fellow Spacers, when just as he's climbing back into the spaceship, he notices something off about one of Gorn's guards. Lifting the guard's helmet, he sees none other than Phil Il Khan beneath the visor. Chuckling to himself, Atlas shakes his head and decides to leave it be as they lift off for the next chapter of Season 1. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers.